0: Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast, presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode number 123. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line, as always, David Miracatani. David, I was at the Big 12 tournament this weekend and spent uh, most of the time during the breaks catching up on all the other action around the country. Uh, How'd you spend your weekend? I was
1: uh, locked in, watching everything. Uh, I watched a lot of it. I watched ACC's on Saturday night, watched the... Big 10s, semis, and finals, watched the Big 12 finals. Actually, my parents were in Tulsa and then had to come back because they got to work on Monday. And when they came over to my house and watched the finals, um, I was surprised you didn't get a shout out on, on the broadcast as the journals of the year being in the house. But, uh, yeah, I've watched a lot of wrestling, you know, so, you know, did what, what everybody was doing and, um, had a gigantically ugly spreadsheet of all the conference winners and, you know, so we could do the rankings Sunday night, which we cranked out. And there are some to say it once again, there are some rankings we feel really good about, and there are some rankings where we had to put a name next to a number. So, you know, when we get into those weights, we can talk about them. But for sure there's a couple of these that can go a lot of different ways. And you actually were kind enough to take my call in between sessions and try to help me sort through some
0: of that. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Um there's just a ton to get to. So before we do that, let's get some house cleaning out of the way. We have some great sponsors, um, one right off the top. Tell us all about it.
1: Well, we'll, let's start with Fantasy Grade and the Fantasy Wrestling National Championships. I mean, tomorrow's, the wild cards came out today and the brackets will come out tomorrow. And this is the time for all our fellow nerds to prove they know more than their friends and everyone else from around the country about wrestling. They've got an online contest, which is a salary cap contest. So if you want Bo Nickel and I want Bo Nickel, we can both have him. And then there's a live auction contest being held at the Yard Restaurant in Pittsburgh. Um, My guy, Chuck Wiltrout, there's got us all set up. It's the Wednesday night before the NCAA tournament. I think there's 27 or 28 teams already paid for, and there's only 33 slots. You can go to fantasygrade.com, check out all the rules. There's videos, everything, instructions. The live contest is $99, and it's $300 of guaranteed participation prizes. And we're also going to have a big silent auction there that night. We're getting some signed shoes and some things like that, uh, some, some really cool stuff. So fantasygrade.com, sign up today. Prove you're the smartest wrestling fan in the country. Um, the people that help us with our rankings every week, and we're going to see these folks in Pittsburgh, Resolite, you know, the one source for both classic and lightweight mats, Their zip mat is the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, and their DigiPrint mat is the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that bring you unrivaled school branding to the new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. And then the last one that just joined us is Pure and Clean Sport, my guy Ryan Freeman. They're designed to help dominate skin issues. A lot of are still clean mats the wrong way. There are three easy steps to do it right. Dry mop the mat to remove any debris. Apply the mat cleanser with a fine mist that thoroughly cleans the surface with a light coating. And then this I love this line. to say, go home for the night and get ready for tomorrow. So go online, Google pure and clean sports. Check them out. They're going to be at the Nationals. They're actually going to be at the Missouri Border Brawl, and they're actually going to be at the Fantasy
0: Wrestling National Championship. So they're going to be all over what we're doing for the next two weeks or so. Very good. Yeah, they they had a booth at the Big 12s right outside uh the section I was sitting in, so I saw a lot of them this weekend uh getting some good exposure. So good for them. And you know, I'm not going to talk too much about seeding this week since by the time this podcast gets out, uh the brackets will be hours away. So we'll be able to see that, but you can bet that next week we're going to be breaking down our our uh brackets and looking at who you might want to <laughs> take in that fantasy grade contest. So uh look for that but uh, we've got a lot to recap this week first I wanted to send a shout out to the division two national champions St. cloud state and the division three national champions Augsburg Um, fine performances by both teams and they're both building dynasties obviously Augsburg has been around for a long time doing fantastic things and saint cloud state's got a nice run going near the top of d2 so nice job by them and then all of the conference champions from Division One: NC State in the ACC, Penn State in the Big Ten, Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve, Lehigh in the EIWa, Lockhaven Haven in the EWL, Missouri again in the MAC, Stanford for the first time ever in the Pac twelve, and Campbell in the SoCon. So just a lot of winning this weekend, and a lot of those kind of fly under the radar with so much going on. I wanted to make sure everybody got mentioned. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from a team perspective of the weekend?
1: Steve Costanzo and I actually rolled a hundred years ago in dirt, so he's a buddy of mine, and you know we've done some recruiting stuff together. Really proud of him. Um, Pat Popolizio, those guys. That's a really underrated conference. They really, you know, they did a great job. It's interesting that Penn State actually hasn't won the conference the last couple of years, so you know that that is kind of surprising. And when you think about it, but you know they had a great tournament. Oki State, and we'll talk about kind of the distractions they had with Leroy Smith Senior or Leroy Smith Jr., but, um, really did a great job in the finals, winning all the matches, but one. If you had told me Lehigh was going to win the IWAs with all the injuries they had during the regular season, I would have been shocked. Missouri's obviously clearly the class of the Mac and that Stanford Pac-12 thing that came down to basically one match, one pin between the top three teams so you know it's a dogfight we'll see if you know it'll be interesting to see if they finish the same way uh in the nationals because i kind of think stanford's got it's built better for a small tournament and arizona
0: state and oregon state are kind of built better for a big tournament yeah those the smaller conferences and the smaller brackets can can lend themselves to upsets at least in the way we think of it but uh you know, it's, it's fantastic to see Stanford winning one. They've had some lineup upheaval this year a little bit, and it's, it's interesting. I like when different teams win, um, cause that's a lot of, that does good for your school. You know, the athletic director can see that, hey, we won a conference title. And yeah, maybe they're not going to finish in the top 10 of nationals, but, um, at least they can say, hey, we were Pac 12 champions. So very cool. Um, uh, coming up this weekend, it's obviously the weekend before, uh, the division one nationals, but there's a lot of good wrestling once again. Uh, the Men's Freestyle World Cup is going on. Uh, we'll talk about that lineup briefly. Uh, the first ever NAIA Women's National Championship Tournament is this weekend. And, of course, the AWL Missouri Border Brawl put on by our man David Maricotani, um has some outstanding <laughs> matches, uh, just all sorts of cool stuff going on there. Seems like I see a new announcement every time I go out to Facebook on it. So uh, you've got a lot going on. We'll hit that more at the end of the broadcast. One thing I wanted to talk about with the World Cup, we're sending an interesting roster. I was a little surprised uh, when I saw it announced. A lot of really good wrestlers, but not none of our number ones from 2018. And I mean, really only Rutherford is one of our guys that we really think is going to be the number one. Obviously, a lot of twos and threes that are hoping to get there. I thought it was an interesting choice. What did you make of it?
1: I think it has a lot to do with these guys trying to make weight so frequent, like so recently after the. And is it that tournament that they just had is pronounced the Dan Kolob? Is that the right way to pronounce the last name?
0: That's how I understand it. I'm sure we're butchering it because it's a foreign name, but (laughs) that's what I would go with. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's, we'll call it the Dan tournament. I think we can butcher that part. So (laughs) I, I think it's guys trying to make weight like, you know, three to five weeks and with a bunch of travel and. I mean, it's not like making weight, you know, in St. Louis and then making weight in Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I think that's really it. And it's interesting, like with the event I run, there's certain things you can do to make it important. There's certain things you just can't do. Like, honestly, the World Cup doesn't score, you know, it doesn't score points for seating at the World Championship. If that was the case, if they somehow could implement that, you'd see an entirely different lineup but that's really what it comes down to in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And you know, Russia has done this for years. They've sent their second and third teams. It's just, they're so deep that they seem to be able to compete for titles. Even if they don't send their number ones, you know, Iran usually takes it pretty seriously. We have taken it seriously in recent years and being the defending champions, I was a little surprised, Uh, but you're right. You know, we have to adapt. There's this new seeding um, series, and we're obviously taking that seriously. Um, I expect to see a strong team for us at the Pan American Championships. And now that it's flat weight two days in a row for the tournaments, I think that's a good point by you that that may be what we're seeing is guys need to limit their weigh ins and we can only prioritize so many things. So, uh, but like I said, we're sending a lot of talent, you know, guys like Imar getting a shot. So it'll be fun to watch. It'll just, I think it's going to be hard for us. It might have been hard for us anyway going to Russia to defend our title, but, uh, still going to be fun to, follow a couple other things going on in the world of wrestling Terry McCoy announced this afternoon that he is going to step down at Maryland following this NCAA tournament Um, so Maryland will be looking for a new head coach Uh, what did you make of that David
1: I've known Terry McCoy for a long time he's literally one of the best human beings I know Um, obviously people are not crazy about the results there and you know those are two separate things like you know, when I talk to my mom, she always talks first about how what kind of person they are, but obviously he's being paid to do a job. Maryland's in a weird situation. You know, they're in around a lot of talent, but there's not a lot of talent in state. Uh But I can tell you this, if I had a son, I wanted to make sure he turned out to be a good kid after five years of college. Carrie McCoy would be at the top of the list of so the person I had would want to have influence. In
0: yeah, I think that's a that's kind of the the gist of it from a lot of people that I've talked to and seen people react online. You know, I don't think there's any questioning that McCoy is a good guy. Uh, the Maryland program has struggled, so it's. I think this is the best of both worlds. Like, I'm sure Kerry McCoy will have opportunities to do you know great things with young people if he wants to continue doing so or wherever he decides to go in life. Uh, and somebody else can take a crack at Maryland and see if they can do. A little bit better, uh, you know. It's one of those things. This is competitive college athletics, and so it, it's time. So I think this could be good for both and all involved. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, and it'll be interesting to see who applies for that job. I I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of interest. It's a major college, obviously in the Big Ten. From what I understand, fully funded. There just aren't very many of those out there, so I'm sure it will draw a lot of interest. Uh, one last note before we get into the results from the weekend. Uh, You mentioned it briefly, Uh, Leroy Smith Jr., the father of John, Lee, Mark, and John Leroy and Mark, um, among others, just a legend in the sport from all of the people uh, he impacted. You know, it wasn't even a wrestler, but just well-known in wrestling circles because of his sons. He passed away this weekend. Um, I know you were, you know, you have more on this than me, so I'll let you take it from here.
1: Well, I mean our family is pretty close with the Smith family. Um, you know, my parents when they go in there summertime I actually stay with John and Tony. Um and you know, I've you know, we've known Joe since he was a little kid when we were there doing the camps and you know, Joe changed his profile picture to him and his grandpa when he was a little kid. Uh you know, death is obviously part of the circle of life, but it's also Sad, you know, and, you know, when you love somebody and they've had a huge influence and, uh, Leroy Smith has been the father to a lot of people that have won a lot of things and, you know, all the grandkids. And I mean, you know, I had Chris Perry on a podcast a year and a half ago and he said, Kathy Perry used to win the, uh, the in-house intramural wrestling meet. So, um, you know, I mean, he coached a lot of tough people. I would just say that, you know, so, uh, and and he's coached a lot of people that are that have high character that have been uh, that have made a big difference, you know. So, you know, I there's you know, I texted Coach Smith last night and just told him that, you know, myself and my family. And I said, you know, really, the family of track wrestling, they're all keeping you in our prayers. And he said he appreciated it. So I don't know if there's much else to say, but, um,
0: you know, God bless the Smith family. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's it's never easy to lose someone like that. And it's uh, on a weekend like this, the timing was unfortunate for sure. Didn't get to see, uh, you know, any of the wrestling this weekend passed away Sunday. So uh, condolences to the Smith family. Moving on to the results from the weekend, uh, starting at 125 pounds. You know, normally I like to get all of the upsets in. Um, on these things, there was no way I could do that this week. We'd be here for five hours and nobody wants to listen (laughs) to me talk that long. So I hit a few high points, interesting results. We saw big upsets. I think I got most of them. Uh, but if we left a few out, just know there's so much going on this weekend. We just couldn't get to everything. So the results I have noted at 125 pounds, Sebastian Rivera beat Spencer Lee six to four in sudden victory one in what was an excellent match. Uh, Pat Glory of Princeton knocked off Vito Aruja of Cornell 10-8 to to win the EIWA. That's Aruja's first loss at 125 pounds. Jack Mueller of Virginia beat Sean Fawz of NC State 10-2 to to win the ACC's. The margin of victory really is what caught my eye in that one. And Ronnie Bresser stayed with only one loss uh, by beating Ryan Milhoff, who came back for Arizona State to wrestle in the Pac-12 Finals 5-4. to So, interesting results all around. I was really thought Lee looked a lot better than he has all year, um, but he still lost to Rivera. So, uh, what do you make of 125 right now?
1: Well, we kind of worked from the bottom, and Shakur Laney didn't get a wild card. There were essentially six guys for the at the four at large bids. Those went to Montoya, Werner, Moise, and Alonzo Allen. So, the guys on the outside looking in were the Army kid and Laney. So, you know, Laney didn't have a good MAC tournament at all. Uh, guys that really helped themselves, Christian Moody by how he did, Alex Mackle by how he did, Bryce West in the MAC. You know, like Oliver, you know, he moved up considerably by having a good Big Ten tournament. Uh, Glory moved into the top eight by bumping up of, above Arujao. I'm i fascinated in how this weight's going to get seated, right? You got Rivera undefeated. I think he's clearly the one. Pitch is clearly the two. We left Lee at three. But, you know, Lee, Bresser, Mueller could kind of go in any order. Uh And then Arujao obviously was going to be in that mix, but he isn't now. I also think, and, you know, you were there. I think Brent Fleetwood's kind of a dangerous out, man. He's really long for the wait. Uh Pitch did a good job riding him, but he couldn't take him down. I think that guy, if he gets an overtime, he's going to be tough because he can ride pretty well and he didn't get away from pitch, but I think he can get away from most guys in the country at 25. Now, how do you see that?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, from uh, watching that match, you know, obviously he didn't have much to threaten Pitt with, but. You're right. He was very, he's very long. He's very funky. You know, if you get out of position against him, he's going to take advantage. So guys like that are always dangerous. Um, if they, you know, anytime you can keep the score close with a guy that's used to scoring a lot of points, you know, that's a useful skill in the national tournament because anything can happen when it's a one move type of match. And, you know, obviously Pick is good in all three positions. So he used the other two positions to win the match. A lot of guys aren't good in all three positions. So. Uh, He's definitely a dangerous guy. There's just a lot of those. Uh, And, you know, I noticed this year there's a lot of really long guys at 25 and 33 just seem to be popping up everywhere. Um, And those are always the guys that seem to be concerning at the national tournament. Um, If they're not pulling upsets, they're limiting bonus points and really making guys work for it. So, uh, yeah, he, you know, he's – go ahead. No, well, no, finish that thought. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My apologies. Go ahead. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought Fleetwood would be good all year. Um, he kind of struggled at times, but I think that's part of that style. Is he re- he's going to wrestle a lot of close, tough matches. Sometimes he's going to come out on top. Sometimes he's not. Um, but yeah, he's he's an experienced guy and he knows a lot uh, about wrestling. And uh, he definitely wrestled well this weekend. So we'll see where he where he lands in the seating. Uh, seating wise, like I said, I'm not going to talk too much about it because. I think mostly it'll be settled by the time people listen to this, but um, I think it's pretty clearly Spencer Lee or Ronnie Bresser as the number three. It just really depends who's ahead of who in the coach's ranking. And that will be how it's seated. I think Mueller's five at best. Uh, He just, his schedule just isn't what the others are. So he's going to lose out um, in that regard, but he's still a very dangerous man because yeah.
1: What did you think of the end of the Rivera-Lee match? You know, I mean, it felt like Lee had that match under control, and then he just didn't. You know, I mean, he gave up the escape, he gave up the penalty point, he gave up the takedown, and then he gets in super deep in overtime, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to win this match. And I'm like, Piccinini's going to be the one seed. And then it. I'm telling you, I think Sebastian Rivera is just stronger than him. Because, I mean, that last position and a couple of other positions, he just horsed him.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to watch that match, knowing what we do about Lee's season and how he struggled, you know, looking like he's running out of gas at times and just struggled with conditioning. And, you know, I'm going to say conditioning because I have no idea what's going on with him. And I don't want to speculate anymore. It's been done to death. So whatever it is. You know, he just doesn't look himself late in matches. This match he did. He looked fine and, like you said, was still attacking in overtime. Uh, But it still makes me wonder if whatever's going on with him has affected some of that strength that we saw last year. I mean, last year he could go toe-to-toe with Tomasello, who's one of the strongest 25s I can ever remember, and no problem. And now he's getting hipped over by Rivera. Now, Rivera's strong, no doubt, but that surprised me. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, last year Lee didn't win the Big Ten. He and then he came out of NCAA's like a ball of fire and just destroyed everyone. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think Rivera is at least, um, competitive even with the top level Spencer Lee if we see that. Uh, but I liked what I saw out of Spencer Lee, even though he ended up losing. So I, I think we're getting for a treat next week in Pittsburgh. I think at 125, there's a lot of guys, you know, even Arujao, he's lost, but he's going to be tough. So, this is, this is shaping so up to be glory, a more really fun yeah. way. Yeah, glory's, glory's not there. Too. Right. I mean, and, even Sean pitch is reward for
1: Yeah, pitch is reward for going undefeated he gets to be on the same side as Spencer Lee.
0: Very likely, unless Bresser, Bresser jumps him in the coach's ranking. I saw one ranking today where Bresser did jump Spencer Lee. I think you can make the argument either way. I mean, Lee's only loss is to Rivera in overtime. I mean, Bresser's only loss, and Lee has two losses to Rivera and one to Piccinini. It's it's a toss up, so uh, we'll see what they do. Yeah, and remember, there can be ties in the coaches' rankings, so it could get nutty. Yeah. Moving up to one hundred thirty three okay. pounds, Nick Soriano of Rutgers knocked off Luke Fletcher of Ohio State four to one to win the Big Ten final. Fletcher had beaten RBY eight to five to avenge an earlier loss. Uh, Austin DeSanto also beat RBY, lost to Soriano, and then lost to Lizek in the third place match. So very interesting tournament all around in the Big Ten. Uh, Stefan Micic won one match, went to the semifinals, and the medical forfeited out. So that's going to leave Dayton Fix as the one seed after Fix won the Big Twelves. I don't know how far Micic falls. Probably not very far. I would imagine two or three. So we'll see how that goes. I just, you know, we all hope he's healthy because he's obviously part of the 133 picture. The other two results I have down... Montory Bridges looked pretty good this weekend from Wyoming. He beat Austin Gomez of Iowa State six to three in the semis before losing to Fix in the Big 12 finals. And Mickey Phillippe of Pitt won the ACC tournament, survived a tough match with Corbin Myers of Virginia Tech in the semis, then beat Tariq Wilson four to one in the finals. What do you think of 133?
1: Yeah, DeSanto dropped from three to six. Tariq dropped from six to seven. I was kind of I originally had Tariq six, and then looked at their bodies of work and. It's not Tariq's fault. He just hadn't wrestled a lot of guys this year. I think there's a huge advantage to being the one seed over the two, which sounds like an obvious statement, but sometimes it doesn't matter as much. But if this goes the way I, I have it, Nisik who's one, would have Ernesty, and then the winner of Philippe Lizak, or Fix would have the winner of DeSanto, Tariq Wilson, and then Soriano. That's a much more difficult path. I mean, no disrespect to the other guys, but that path is awful. So, I mean, and this is a crazy way. Like, we got Gomez at 12 and RBY at 13, and even a guy like Josh Tarau, who's probably going to upset somebody at 17. I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Misik in terms of seeding. I mean, he's different than Nolf last year in that he doesn't have an official loss on his record. Uh, He's similar to Nolfe, and he has really good wins on his record. I think people that are like, well, you know, if you miss a match, it's the same as a loss. Like, I mean, I understand they don't want people ducking, and I guess, you know, I see that, but these are people that have never coached, and they're probably people that never competed at a very high level either because if you've done either, you'd understand that there sometimes are circumstances that dictate not wrestling is the best path for your athlete. And so, I mean, these guys. I mean, like we talk about, like when we get to '84, like uh, you know, Penn State now wrestling in the finals. There, their job isn't to entertain us. Their job is to do the best they can. They're on a scholarship. They have a fixed a number of years to accomplish their goal. And I don't think they care what anybody on social media or on websites think. And I know when I wrestled, I didn't. It was a hundred years ago, so there wasn't much of that. But I don't. If you're thinking about that, you're probably thinking about the wrong things. And for us to be saying, well, you should do this because of this. I mean, I talked to a coach at a major Division One school. Then they made a lineup decision. And somebody from another website called and said, you owe us an answer on why you did what you did. That's crazy. You owe it to do what's best for your kids. And if, if you've never sat in a living room, you've never sat and talked to a mother and father, you've never made promises, then you're pretty unqualified to talk about that. And I, you know, I don't have a lot of hard takes, but I feel really strongly about that. That you know, until you've walked a mile in those shoes, you know, when you're responsible to your those kids, and they're more, they spend more time with you than they do with their family during those years they're in college.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective on it. I think there's a lot of different. Uh, I think there's a lot of competing interests in this sort of debate because part of the reason that i think the coaches get aimed at more in wrestling than they do in some of the other sports is because they have so much power over the direction of the sport which we saw with you know the national dual stuff a few years back and just you know they seem to take a more active role in the direction of college wrestling as opposed to administrators because you know the NCAA administrators for the large part don't really care about what wrestling's doing so i think In that regard, they do have a little more, but you're right. Their job is not to entertain. I mean, overall, they have to build the program. You know, building attendance is a good thing, and you can help that, obviously, by wrestling your best guys more, but more people are concerned with what's going to happen at the end of the year than who wrestles at some random duel, Uh like I said, this is a weird situation. Um, it's different than Nolf, that's always a little bit different. I ran the numbers. Fix is gonna be the one seed unless uh, I no, no regardless, even if Michic is still the number one in the coach's ranking, it's gonna be Fix. I just don't know how far Michic will fall. Uh but I don't have a problem with that. You know, if you're really hurt, i I think the Rashid thing is weirder because he wrestled whole tournament, but you know, you just never know when guys tweak something or you know, they can yeah, do it at yeah. the end of matches. They could do it between matches. It stuff happens. So, uh, I don't like it. But to me, you redesign the system to incentivize wrestling. You don't knock the coaches for not wrestling them because, you, like you said, they know more than we do about it. You just make it, make a system where you encourage wrestling. And you, I have some ideas to do that, but we've got so much to get to. We'll talk about that some other yeah, time. But, but-
1: and everything you said is spot on. The fix thing is really interesting. I'm sure you're right because you're as smart as anybody I know about this. You know, I, you know. I guess my my take on it is, you know, like when I heard somebody say, well, you know, if you're fine on Saturday night, you're fine on Sunday morning. Really? Nobody's ever wrestled like the equivalent of a tournament and woke up the next day and had something not hurt but injured that they didn't know about the night before? Right. I mean, if you've never had that, you've never wrestled at a high level. So, I mean, I'll just say that. I think, you know, I think a lot of people are speaking from a position of ignorance on that.
0: Well, and you know, we're all, fans have never been rational. And I say that loving to be a fan myself. So like, that's part of the great thing about fandom is you don't have to be rational. Now, with social media, the lines blur and you shouldn't be going after people and all that stuff. but. If you want to put it out there that you're set, you're upset that Rashid didn't wrestle. That's part of being a fan, and that's okay. Um, maybe don't at him in that tweet, uh, but you know, if you want to put it out there, that's fine. Yeah, you know, that's that's part of being a sports fan. So moving up to one forty one, Joey McKenna had an excellent tournament at the Big Ten Championships. He majored Mitch McKee, then he beat Nick Lee five to four, and he beat Chad Red, who surprisingly made the finals. Nine to two, uh, red knocked off the top seed, Mikey Carr, eight four in the quarters to make his run. So, excellent tournament for him. Mikey Carr ended up eighth. So rough tournament for him. He'll look to bounce back. It seems like every year we have somebody place higher at the national tournament that they did than they did in their conference tournament. And Carr is a uh, candidate to do that this year, I think. Uh. The other result I have at this weight, it didn't take long. Uh Dom Demas of Oklahoma pinned Cade Brock of Oklahoma State by you know in the Big 12 tournament to win. It, that was quite a match. Um I you know, I, you can watch it. It's out there. Uh it doesn't take long. Demas throws Brock on his back. He somehow rolls all the way through it eventually. I mean, he got Demas got the six, but Brock does this huge bridge, gets all the way back to his feet, gets the escape. And then Demas throws him right back on his back and pins him. It was pretty fantastic to watch um, in person. Just an incredible effort by Dom Demas and just, you know, normal stuff. Cade Brock is wild, and his matches are wild. So (laughs) what would you make of 141?
1: We can start with that match. I mean, I think Cade Brock is really – he's an interesting guy. Like, you know, he's not super dangerous on bottom. You could argue he's below average there. He doesn't turn really good guys like a lot of other guys do. And he's he's not great in upper body, but you put him in lower body and elbow control and stuff like that. He's he's not the best guy in the country, he's probably one of the most fun guys in the country to watch. You know, Demas has wrestled him now twice and he wrestles him where he's better. And when you wrestle in those situations, you know, that makes a huge difference. So I mean, I guess it's like you and me talking about wrestling. If, if we have to put everything in writing, you're going to win because you're a way better journalist than I am. If I can keep it where it's all about who's coached longer, then I'm going to have a chance to be more successful. Doesn't mean either one of us are better than the other guy, but it's, um, you know, it's it's just where you can, you know, which lane you can stay in. So, uh, as far as the, the rankings, I think I, we have Ironman at three and Lee at four, but that could change in the seedings. Mitch McKee and Chad Red bumped way up. Dom Demas bumped up six spots. Kade Brock bumped up five spots. And guys like Sidarian Perry fell four. And, I mean, there's, you know, Matt Finley fell a bunch. So, again, this is kind of a weird weight. It feels like the top four, I feel very confident with metal. And then I think, like, that round of 12 uh match, you know, on the backside where it's like the Mitch McKee right now, the Mitch McKee, Josh Albert, Chad, Red, and all these other things, you know, there's going to be some crazy good matchups. So, you know, I, I, I think this is in a very, very interesting way. And I liked your idea about Mikey Carr getting back in the metals. Uh, it's, you know, it's, we see this every year. Do guys have a glitch or this really on their way down?
0: And then, you know, we'll find out in, in a week and a half. Right. Yeah, it was the Big 12 kind of fell apart, uh, from the bracket perspective. Albert got beaten the first round and had to rally back. And then, uh, Findlay, you know, took the mat and did the immediate forfeit thing so he'd be eligible for a wild card, which he got. Uh, but yeah, that kind of messed up everything, but, uh, ended up getting an interesting final out of it. So that was good. Moving up to 149 pounds, Anthony Ashnault of Rutgers beat Micah Jordan in a, in a highly entertaining match, eight to six. To win the Big Ten tournament, Uh, Brady Berge of Penn State upset Pat Lugo of Iowa in the quarters. Berge, after a semifinal loss, medical forfeited out to sixth. Lugo rallied all the way back to get third, so hard to make much of that. Um, Jared Prince knocked off Matt Kolodzik of Princeton 5-4 in the EIWA semis, and then promptly got beat by a freshman, Anthony Artelona of Penn 3-1, who Penn now has an EIWA champion in Artelona, so good to see that. Yeah, I, I'm going to go through these other ones before I talk about Davian Jeffries because I have a lot to say about him. Caden Gaffeller of Oklahoma State beat Jarrett Deegan in, of Iowa State on a very late takedown to win the Big 12 tournament. Fine Silver of Duke beat Austin O'Connor of North Carolina again, and Require Vendor-Murway of Stanford beat Josh Maruka of Arizona State 5-3 in one of those crucial matches, getting the Cardinal to be a Pac-12 champion uh Davian jeffries you know i get to watch him i've I watched him a lot because you know i covered the sport you know full-time for a couple of years right in the middle he's from ou so i see him a lot he's from broken arrow originally so i saw him you know before he was in college sometimes he was the sixth seed this weekend we all know Davian jeffries yeah i've made the comment many times you know he could beat anybody he could lose to anybody you just never know and his first round match he won by fall he lost to deegan 11 to 10 in an absolute thriller He beat Max Thompson, a former All-American, 15 to 5. Then he won by fall in a match where he needed a late takedown just to go ahead. He was trailing. Then he won by fall in that match. And then he won 4 to 2 to finish third. It just... It was insane. His matches were must-watch every time until the third-place match um, when, you know, neither guy wanted to do much. They both were qualified at that point. But he's... He's making a run. I mean, the uh, last couple of weeks, he's pulled a couple of upsets. He's he's just wrestling all the time to try to pin people and put them on their back. So it's going to be must-watch in Pittsburgh. No one's going to want to wrestle him. Uh, now, he may go 0-2. He may get thrown on his back twice throw trying big moves. But he's wrestling crazy right now, and a lot of times it's working out. That 15-5 win over Thompson is an eye-popper.
1: Yeah, well, and he's training with Dom Demas every day, and those guys like <laughs> to score points. So Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, he he's going to be interesting. Like, um, you know, we have him at like 17 right now. I'd be interested. I mean, he's probably going to be somewhere like, you know, between, you know, 15 and 20. And yep. so he'll be, you know, the underdog first round, but certainly not a massive underdog. And then he's going to draw a top four guy in all likelihood. And, you know, like a guy like Austin O'Connor that doesn't score a lot of points, he could provide problems. I think, you know, Fine Silver's so good on top, and Mike is so good on his feet, and just so good everywhere. But O'Connor would be kind of a goofy matchup for him. G. Feller's obviously wrestled him enough. I don't know how this matchup would work, but him and Kaladzic would probably just be must-watch wrestling. Just If it's a station-to-station match, Kaladzic beats him 7-3. to three. If it's a flip flop, I mean, you just set the over under. Which if it goes over, Davian's going to win, and if it goes under, Klazik is going to win. So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this weight was absolute mayhem a couple weeks ago. Rankings wise, really the main thing here was Klodzik, Uh Klazik dropped from three to seven. You mentioned Jeffries; he came in. You I know, mean, not a ton of movement uh, of really much much dramatic effect. We had Art alone at thirteen, so he's at twelve. I mean. We, I think we had him pegged pretty good already.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting where Kolodzic ends up seated because you know he's been one of the two guys that you think is going to win the national title all year, and then he gets blown out by Ashnault. He loses a weird one in February, and then he drops this one. I mean, Prince is a good solid wrestler, but now it's really where what do we make of that? If he's especially if he ends up on Ashnault's side of the bracket. That's huge for somebody like Micah Jordan or somebody else to really have a shot at the finals where it looked like for a long time, it was probably just going to be those two. Correct. Yeah, totally agree. Moving up to 157, uh, Jason Dolph majored Tyler Berger 12 to four in the finals of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Steve Blee's of Minnesota upset Ryan Deacon of Northwestern. Deacon actually avenged that loss in the fifth place match. Uh, Alec Pantaleo of Michigan beat Caleb Young twice in route to a third place finish. His only loss was to Nolf. And I thought the most interesting result outside the Big Ten was uh, Jared Jack Hughes of Missouri knocking off Larry Early of Old Dominion 3 1 to win the MAC. Uh, those young guys for Missouri continue to contribute. What did you make 157? Just proud of 157? Just Bounty, do you got Jared Jack Hughes pronounced correctly? I mean, you had to tell <laughs> me three times, but I think I got it now. <laughs> yeah those
1: boys from Father Tolton Catholic went three for three at the, at the conference so um those kids are special they wrestle all three of those guys wrestled in my event and you can tell a lot about how a kid's gonna be in college on just if they're yes or no sir if they're on time if they act like prima donnas, if you know if they say please and thank you and all three of those kids are on point you know I'm talking about Ironman Muller and uh, jQs so just. It's hard to not be happy for them. I can't root for anyone, but it's hard to not be happy for them. And, uh, he bumped himself up pretty dramatically. You know, we'll see how that works out for him in the seedings. We haven't bumped from 17 to 11. And it's really just because we couldn't drop early. He's, you know, early's got that awesome win against Hayden Hydeley. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what'll, you know, the obviously the whole body of work. Deacon looked a little goofy. He didn't look like himself. I mean, what do you think's going on there?
0: I didn't see much of him, um, unfortunately, with so much going on. You know, obviously, I caught the Big Ten finals, but uh, they only showed the championship match, so I didn't catch much of it. Deacon's a weird guy to figure. He had a really great regular season last year, and then you know didn't do that great at NCAA's, and then you know, this year he hasn't had as good of a season. But I kind of expected him to finish a little stronger. Um, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens next week. I, I think there's a lot of guys that this week will be forgotten if they do well next week. And I think that's where Deacon's sitting. If he brings it in Pittsburgh, then everyone will kind of shrug their shoulders at the fifth place finish. If not, um, they're really going to start second guessing him because this is a couple of times now he's struggled in the biggest matches of the year.
1: Yeah. For sure. I mean, what you basically said is this goes to the other conversation about guys sitting or not. Nobody really remembers anything except how you did in the last meet of the year, whether it's state, nationals, worlds, tiddlywinks, whatever, you know? Right.
0: Well, it's it's a lot like Kolodzik. I mean, last year was not nearly as good in the regular season as two years ago, but then he finished third or fourth, one of the two, and everyone... Went right back to thinking he could win a national title, you know, now that Zane Rutherford's gone. You know, if he'd wrestled to his seed, I think he was seeded seventh or something like that. If he'd wrestled to his seed last year, no one's thinking that. Uh, but those three days always change everything and everything is viewed through that prism. So uh, that's why they're so exciting. So uh, moving yeah, up to 165, sure. Alex Marinelli of Iowa had another good Big Ten tournament, um, another champion. He he had really struggled last year in the Big Ten tournament, so I'm sure he enjoyed this one. He beat Evan Wick two to one, then he beat Vincenzo Joseph of Penn State nine to three in the finals, put Joseph on his back. Uh, it was an impressive performance. Uh, looked a lot like last year, except this year there will be no debating whose move it was. It was absolutely Marinelli's move all the way. Uh, you know, Joseph had looked good. He pinned Massa of Michigan in the semis. You know, he looked himself, and then Marinelli put him on his back. So, might be a matchup problem there. I'm not really sure. You know, they've only met the tw- the two times over the last two years, so it's hard to say for sure um, if it's a matchup problem or if it just happened again. Uh, but either way, Joseph will be an interesting one to watch, and if they clash again, uh, Massa actually bumped, came back, and finished third, to beating Wick. So he had a good tournament. Uh, Demetrius Romero was the first ever Big 12 champ from Utah Valley. He beat Joe Smith early, then he beat Bryce Stiart, and he beat Andrew Fogarty of North Dakota State in the in the finals. So he really had to run the gamut. Uh, did a fantastic job. Fogarty had knocked off the top seed Branson Ashworth of Wyoming in the semis. Uh, Romero's matches were really interesting to watch. He doesn't. I don't know if he doesn't have a lot of defense or if it's just because he's so tall, but he seems to constantly be. Either attacking or getting attacked. and There's very little, you know, downtime in his matches. Uh, it was the same when he wrestled Smith. He was down seven to three, came back with a couple of takedowns and actually got a turn at the end to beat Smith. Um, Joe Smith of Oklahoma State finished fifth, qualified in the final spot. Uh, we'll have more to say about him, but I want your reaction of 16 160, at 165 first.
1: I think Vincenzo Joseph is following the Eric Guerrero school of conference tournaments don't really matter, you know, just get to the show and then win it when it counts. So, uh, I mean, Marinelli clearly won that match. It wasn't a fluke. Like you said, he was comfortable in those upper body positions. He talked about it afterwards and I'm still not picking against Vincenzo Joseph to win nationals. I, you know, I just, I, I, you know, but if it goes the way we have it ranked, he's got Isaiah White in the quarters, which always wrestles him really close. So that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marinelli, you know, I think he's kind of on a mission. You know, he he's talked about Eli Stickley. People to know that that story. Uh, you know, he had a a cool religious shirt on when you know when they interviewed him, and then uh, the the Oklahoma State lineup thing almost backfired because if Joe had taken sixth, he would have had to rely on a wild card, and I don't know if he would have got one. I know I keep beating this drummer asking, where is he going to be seated
0: now? In your opinion. So it's really interesting because if he had won the Big 12s, he wasn't he wouldn't have been eligible for a coach's ranking because he wouldn't have had enough matches. So by losing he gets a chance to have a coach's ranking because he has five matches now. So I don't know So I don't know what the coaches are gonna do with him. I mean, obviously he doesn't really deserve a high ranking, but he did only lose to Romero and Ashworth, who are both gonna be top fifteen guys. So I think maybe that name recognition might get him a bump higher than he really deserves to be. Um uh, but I don't know. Uh you know, he's gonna lose a lot of those head to heads because You know, he qualified, which is good, but his winning percentage won't be very good. He doesn't have any quality wins. I don't, I won't think because obviously he beat guys that didn't qualify. And, you know, he doesn't have an RPI. His, he just, he won't have any of those things. So I can't imagine he's going to be very high. It's going to be pretty low. And I'll be really interested to see where he is in the coach's ranking because if he's, You know, in the top 20, that's ridiculous. And if he's outside the top 25, he's going to have a really hard time climbing, you know, at all. So he's going to be a very low seed and he's going to be a very dangerous one. It's really weird. He gassed hard against Demetrius Romero and then he had to wrestle two matches that night and two matches in the morning session the next day. And he managed both matches. I mean, he lost to Ashworth, but it wasn't a gassing situation. He just got taken down. Um, so it'll be interesting to see another week, you know, 10 days, if he can figure it out. Um, I just want, other thing I wanted to mention about that, uh, you know, I was in attendance in Tulsa and Chandler Rogers was on the floor, assistant yeah. coaching, warming guys up. I mean, the entire time, um, you know, when I got there on Saturday morning, he was sitting next to John Smith as they watched everybody warm up, laughing and joking. You know, he was just, I mean, the consummate professional the whole time. There was no hint of uh you know having a problem with how things went down it was really amazing to see i mean he was out there warming up anybody and everybody that would warm up with him he was in corners a few times this weekend just i mean the way he comported himself just says a lot about him uh as a person and what he's meant to this program it just it made him even even better in in my eyes and i already had a lot of respect for the man
1: amen to that Amen to that. I read a really cool article about that. Um, passed it on to some people who care about him. <sighs> Completely second that sentiment. Um, as you were talking about Joe Smith, I was looking at the grid or the rubric. So working from the bottom. Winning percentage, 10%. He's not going to be good. Qualifier, 10%. Qualifier placement, 10%. He's not going to be good. RPI, 10%. He's going to have a zero. Common opponents, 10%. He's not going to be good. Quality wins twenty percent, not gonna be good. Head to head competition, twenty-five percent. I can't imagine it's gonna be very good. Like when I say not very good, like in the bottom seven, eight guys. So even if in the coach's rank, which is fifteen percent of the formula, I don't see how he's not in the one of the bottom five guys. And I, I think it's possible he's thirty three. Then it gets into to now you have the pigtail match. Now it's really a two-hour weigh-in as opposed to it being like a five-hour weigh-in. I also think this, the first time you get down to weight, you generally wrestle like crap. So I think he'll actually wrestle a lot better this time. But it definitely is going to be one of the spots that people are looking at when they look at their brackets tomorrow right away. Right.
0: Moving up to 174 pounds, Mark Hall of Penn State knocked off Malik Amin again. (laughs) Um three to two, once again, Amin is so close, and he just can't quite get over the hump. I'm sorry, did I say Malik? That's wrong. I think that's Miles. It is Miles. But it It is fine. Yeah, it's, it's Miles. What am I thinking about? Uh, but yeah, Miles Amin right there, once again, one of the top four guys in the country. <laughs> it's just, you know, I kind of root for him at this point to get one, finally, because that's got to be driving him nuts. Uh, Devin Skatska of Minnesota over Mikey Labriola of Nebraska, twice en route to a third-place finish, so good tournament for the now Gopher. And Jacoby Smith of Oklahoma State beat Taylor Luan of UNI 6-4 to four in a very entertaining final. Luan probably had more throws for no points than anybody I've seen this season. Uh, just seemed like every time they were close to out-of-bounds, Luan launched Smith, but he just could never quite keep it in bounds. So uh, a lot of fun In that match, Um, and both guys will be fun to watch at the national tournament. What'd you make of 174?
1: Well, I mean, I watched the mean. He was close to winning that match. You know, that was interesting to me. Jacoby Smith looked really sound, and when they interviewed him afterwards, they're like, "Well, what point did the match pivot? Because it didn't. I decided ahead of time I was going to win, which." <laughs> you, like, you like jacoby smith you can just make those decisions so <laughs> it's such a boss line i don't even think he meant it that way <laughs> so uh you know labriola would, had to drop a spot because he lost to Scatza. Uh, at least in the rankings i don't know how the seedings will play out this is a weight where it feels like the top eight guys could be the guys that metal. Obviously, Labriola is on the on the outside looking in, and he's dangerous. But the top eight are pretty salty here, and you know, be some interesting matchups. I don't think McFadden and Hall have ever wrestled. I know Lewis has handled Luhan before, and I don't think Jacoby and Zahid have ever wrestled before. So I think there's you know potentially some really interesting matchups.
0: Definitely moving up to 184 pounds. We covered it slightly. Uh but Miles Martin of Ohio State did win the Big Ten tournament, uh medical forfeit in the finals. Shakur Rashid made it that far, but um had to forfeit. Uh Rashid had beaten Taylor Venz of Nebraska in the semis. Uh Emory Parker of Illinois beat Venns for third. You know, we kind of wondered how that would go. He's had, you know, kind of an up and down season, usually wins his matches, but hasn't always been super impressive. But he looks once again like one of those guys that could get to the finals with the as long as he's on the opposite side from Martin, so good job by him. Drew Foster of Northern Iowa beat Sam Colbray of Iowa State in the Big 12 Finals, 6-3. to That was avenging a loss from their final duel of the year when Colbray beat Foster, so I'm sure that felt good. Uh, Foster wins another Big 12 title. Did you see anything else at 184?
1: Well, the Colbray thing reminds me. How, how big of a turnaround has Iowa State made, man? What they do, qualify nine?
0: Yes, nine.
1: That's crazy good, right? Like what they have last year, two or three.
0: Yeah, it wasn't very many. I know. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before that they had one.
1: Yeah, unbelievable job by Dresser and that staff. So sorry to go off on a tangent
0: there, but unbelievable. Uh, I mean, they finished second at the Big Twelve tournament, and I know after OSU, it's not the deepest tournament in the world, but there are some solid teams there, so that's impressive. Yeah, for sure.
1: So. Uh, Max Dean feels like he's solidifying himself. I mean, I don't know what you do with Shakur Rashid. The people that say he shouldn't be seated that high will cite that he did not Russell Martin and he sat out some meets this year, but he beat Venz. you know, so I think the lowest he could be seated is three. So, I mean, we have him two over Parker. I mean, I could see him being three. Uh, I know some other people have Zavatsky really high, but I mean, he's, you know, he lost to Drew Foster twice, I think. So, I mean, that's tough. Renan feels like, you know, hopefully Farina's sake, he can get healthy. And just, you know, I what you root for, if you root for guys, it's just that they have the best, you know, their best health at the best time and then let the chips fall. And, you know, gear came back into the lineup. That was the other part of the experiment. We've got him at 16, which, you know, he'd be right in the mix, uh, you know, worth like a sort of a 50-50 match and then draw the one seed. And then, you know, you got to put on your... Trap on your bootstraps because it's you know you're going to go through that backside for a while. But uh, I mean this, it feels like it's Miles Martin's weight class, you know. But obviously, like when we saw heavyweight, there's you know there's upsets that can happen. But it certainly feels like he's the class of the field, and I think kind of an underrated career. He's gone one five two, and you know it feels like he's going to go one five two one. He's the guy that stopped Bo Nickel from being a four timer. It's it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, he spent so much of his time in Nickel's shadow, which is a testament to Nickel um, and how good he is. But, man, Miles Martin's career is fantastic. No question. Uh, Moving up to 197, speaking of Nickel, he beat Colin Moore of Ohio State 10-3 to win another Big Ten title. Um, He hasn't gotten four Big Ten titles either uh, because of Miles Martin, so (laughs) it's interesting to note. Jacob Warner of Iowa finished third beating Eric Schultz of Nebraska so good tournament for Warner again. Uh Preston Weigel had a very impressive weekend as he continues to come back from injury. He outscored the entire Big Twelve 41 to nothing. He beat Miklas in the finals uh, 10 to nothing on five two point tilts. So um <laughs> that's you know that's what Weigel for you. No, that can't be right. No, because he, uh, he had about nine hours of riding time. Point. Right. Yeah. It was four two point tilts, riding time and a stall point. That's okay. that's right. So, still, though, four two-point tilts, which is absurd. Malik McDonald of NC State beat Tom Slay of Virginia Tech and Jay Aiello of Virginia to win the ACC, so good tournament for McDonald. Uh, ACC, like you said, is a little underrated, and kind of at 197, it's the same way. Yeah, there's not any of those headline names, top five type guys, but there's a lot of good, solid wrestlers in the ACC at 197. Uh, did you see anything yeah. else, and what was your take on 197?
1: Well, look, we're supposed to be neutral here, but I'm going to give out a a solid, solid, you know, scouting tip for the next 10 days. If you're Rustin Preston Weigel, maybe pick neutral. (laughs) Out there, maybe don't put that guy on top of you. So, uh, I mean, you know, besides that, JILO dropped a little bit because McDonald went up. The rankings didn't change a lot. I actually think Preston Weigel hurt himself by winning the match because he's probably going to be the four seed on the same side as Nickel. And he'll be in the quarters with Warner, which isn't a great draw. If he'd been the sixth seed, you know, he would have Brucky, which it feels like he would match up pretty well with, and then Colin Moore, which I think is a fascinating match. So, I mean, you obviously just tell your guys to win, but I think, you know, I think he'd rather be on the bottom side of the bracket when you have a number one as good as nickel.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think everybody wants to be on the bottom side of that bracket. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, just, uh, you know, again, the coaches ranking will be big there and we'll see who gets the two and the three. Um, but yeah, uh, you got an undefeated conference champ in Weigel that always helps in the seeding formula, but you know, missing so much of the year, that's going to hurt from this quality win standpoint. Um, But yeah, I'm really interested to see him wrestle guys like Bo Nickel, guys like Colin Moore. You know, it's, it's kind of a clash of styles. We know what Weigel does. Well, we know what those guys do. Well, Um, obviously Nickel seems unstoppable at this point. And I would say that's probably the case. You know, he's a huge favorite in that match, but Weigel just, anytime you have a guy with an elite skill that as long as he survives, to the second and third period, he's he can take a chance and like take top. Yeah, maybe he doesn't turn Bo Nickel, but you just never know. And it's so it's really interesting to see that. And especially when you're looking at guys like Bo Nickel, guys like Jason Nolfe and trying to think of ways that they're not gonna bonus their way through the tournament because they're so good, that's kind of where we're at. It's interesting when there's somebody out there that we haven't seen him against, just to kind of wonder how that's gonna go. So I hope we get to see it, even if it's in the semis. I don't either right. way be interesting. Moving up to 285, Anthony Kassar ended Gable Stevenson's undefeated run by beating him 4-3 to three with a late takedown and ride out in the Big Ten Finals. Um, kind of surprised Yusuf Hamida of Maryland. You know He's been struggling this year. Goes out to the Big Ten Tournament, loses in round one to Mason Paris of Michigan, then rallies all the way back to third place, beating Chase Singletary, who got a wild card, Conan Jennings, and Trent Hilger. So... Excellent run by Hamida, um, and all of a sudden he looks like a guy that could be an All-American again. Um, Ian Butterbrot of Brown had a nice run through the EIWA bracket to reach the finals, beating Sweeney of Cornell and then knocking off Pelosi of Franklin and Marshall, who had just beaten Joey Goodhart of Drexel. Uh, Butterbrot ended up medical forfeiting to Wood of Lehigh. Don't know what the deal was there, but nice run by him, and he'll be in Pittsburgh, um, assuming he's healthy you know, it's it's interesting. I didn't hear anybody complaining that Ian Butter brought uh, medical forfeited, but I heard a lot of people complaining about Rashid. Not sure what that's about. Um, you know. <laughs> so moving over to Demetrius Thomas of Pitt avenged an earlier loss to Corey Daniel of North Carolina to win the ACC's three to two. Uh, so obviously the Kassar win over Stevenson was huge for a lot of reasons. It's kind of thrown the top of this weight into upheaval because now. Kassar is beaten Stevenson, who's beaten white, who's beaten Kassar, and that's each one's only loss so uh, what does that do to you at two eighty five?
1: If I had hair, I'd pull it out we'll start with that um, you know so um it it made it difficult. I mean before we get into the rankings part this this is why when you coach guys, you go if you're better you need to get in a bunch of scrambles. You need to get in a bunch of wrestling positions. And the analogy I always make is like, look, if I play Jordan Speed or Tiger Woods or Ricky Fowler, whoever the best guy in the world is right now, on one hole on my home course with the perfect pin placement, I have a chance to beat him. It's not a very good chance, but it's a chance. If I play 18 holes with that person, I have no chance. Now, I understand that it's it feels risky. You know, you don't want to put yourself in risky positions, but... Stevenson just didn't do much most of that match, and so I'm not saying Kassar's not really good, but he let him hang around. We ultimate. let me say this, I still think Gable Stevenson is going to win the national tournament because I think he's going to actually just go hard, but we went on the criteria ABB, B, 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 C, C, B, day, so let's take the two conference champions because we know that's a criteria that makes Stevenson third, maybe. Because then we sort of out one and two. Derek White's got the head-to-head over Kassar, so they go one and 2 cassar Kassar's got the head-to-head over Gable Stevenson's so he's three. I don't know how they're going to seed it. You'd probably know better than me if Gable was number one in the coaches ranking. Would that be enough to overcome not winning the conference tournament?
0: I think a lot of it depends. And I never ran the quality wins on this because I'm super busy at work and I don't get to do this full-time anymore. But um, it's interesting to look at because if you compare Kassar to Gable you're probably going to have Kassar come out on top because you know obviously he's got the head-to-head it's very close in the other spots uh, but if you compare White to Kassar, White's probably going to come out on top because he's got the head-to-head they're both conference champions, White will be number one in the RPI so it really is going to depend what happens with the coaches ranking and who ends up being compared to who, Uh, you know, they, they can tie, as I mentioned earlier, because it's a vote. So if people have them in different spots, it's possible we have a tie. I think that would be the most interesting and probably the most fair outcome. I mean, to me, all three of them should be tied for first in the coaches ranking because there's no fair way to um, separate them. I'm sure they won't do that uh, because they can't, I mean, I don't think they can, Put them in a tie, but if people vote for different ones, that may happen. I I think there are two fair outcomes. You can either do it like you did and put it white, Kassar, Stevenson, or you go the other way and go Kassar, Stevenson, white. Either one I think is fair. Um, I don't think you can go Kassar, white, Stevenson because you're basically ignoring head to head for, <laughs> you know, just completely. Uh, but The other two both make sense to me, and I don't think there's a really good way to break the tie. I think you just have to, you know, what one of those guys is going to get an unfair third seed, and I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, but it's, you know, it is what it is. This is what happens when you have conflicting results and there's really no way to break it.
1: So I should tell people for the record that Alex Steen is one of the few guys that I actually trust. To have input on the rankings because ultimately the rankings have my name on them and he has been immensely helpful to me over the years you can feel the butt coming but um over the years even when he was no longer when he wasn't with track wrestling he was with another uh with the open map i used to call him headache he always helped me even before we would even became friends he was probably the most useless person ever helping me i just want to say that for the record uh I I think I couched it correctly, giving you the correct love and damp and respect you deserve. Uh, Having said that, completely useless. Like, they should all be number one. I said, thank you. Yes,
0: they should be tied for first. I'm going to keep beating this drum because that's the (laughs) only fair way to do it.
1: Yeah, super helpful.
0: You know, it's funny. When I was doing rankings all year, you know, by the time we got to this point in the year, I really – you know, you always care about them because they have your name on them and you want to do them right. But I would get more and more frustrated with trying to move them around because obviously there's more conflicting results. And I I just, you know, I, I would always kind of chalk it up to being tired because, you know, I work a lot during the season and all this stuff. I I think this year I am more and more not caring about the rankings. And I think that's because, you know, now they really, you know, in a day and a half probably by the time most people are listening to this they won't matter anymore so i mean i you know you have to do them. that's your job and i understand that when i said hey they should all be tied for first you rolled your eyes at me and you should because that's absolutely the right response to that but yeah it's hard for me to get bit out of shape about it, uh, about this because you know the seeding's going to come out now the coaches have to vote so they're going to have to figure this out and go with it but like i said i think there's two obvious fair, right answers. And either one is fine. Um, and you know, we're going to get on the mat in 10 days in Pittsburgh and settle this thing either way. So a- it's hard for me to get too worried about it. And plus I don't have to do them. So that's easy for me to say.
1: It's all comes down to that last sentence. Okay. You're not doing <laughs> I mean, uh, well, it all gets sorted out, you know, next week. Well then, you know, we might as well not do rankings all year. We might as well not discuss them. Like, I mean, ultimately, that's right. But at the same time, like, I have a lot of Division One coaches call me uh that are doing the coaches' rankings. And they'll ask me, like, why do you have this person at this weight? You know, why is Alex at this number and David's at that number? And two things strike me. Number one, it's awesome that guys are actually trying to get this right. And number two, it's probably something they shouldn't be tasked with there's too many inherent biases and there's too much data you have to sort through to actually do a good job so but i mean they do matter they, the rankings probably matter more For than you. because of the fact they're seeding all the way down to 33 so i mean i'm not saying the track wrestling rankings matter but you know if, I mean, I've had a lot of coaches say we talk and we use your guys rankings, especially because you rank down to 25 and you know, we have to go all the way down to 33. And I have a lot of guys call me and they're like, who was, who didn't make your list? Basically, who's 26
0: to 33. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, throughout the year, I'm not saying, you know, rankings are a good thing. I'm not saying they're a bad thing because throughout the year, you need them. Uh you need them for a lot of different things. And yes, I, I don't know when the coaches had to have their rankings in. Um if it was Monday or Tuesday or whenever coming I mean, they needed them before the Outlarges came out today, so um uh, I'm sure they were on a deadline. And they're useful for them. I you know, I shouldn't make light of it, but throughout the season I think they're a lot more fun to talk about. At this point, I want to see the seeds, I want to see the brackets, let's go. Uh, we don't, worry, we don't need to worry about that anymore, but that's easy. Again, that's easy for me to say. So Just trying
1: to win the fantasy uh, contest, you're
0: getting ready. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tell me what the seeds are so I can tell you, you know, who the, who the best the picks for the are. fantasy grade contest uh, are. Bad absolutely. Bad. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So this weekend, you know, we talked about it. World cup first ever in women's wrestling championships, which is awesome. Um, You know, NCAA, you need to get on board. NAIA is here supporting women's wrestling, so that's awesome. And our man, David Mirakitani, putting on the AWL Missouri Border Brawl. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we're excited. It's it's been a labor of love, and it's literally just tying down loose ends right now. But the lineups are posted. We have 13 high school matches. Uh, I think of the 20 six kids 24 of them are state champions maybe 23 i think it's 23 of the 26 kids are state champions and one of them is they were supposed to wrestle in the finals and the one person didn't make weight so we've got a one versus two a one versus one one versus one i'll just give you some of the matchups real quick like the national level guys uh jeremiah reno from liberty who's a three-time undefeated state champion fargo champ is wrestling noah certain from edwardsville who's going to mizzou who's uh a fargo national champ state champion what had beaten ramos this year and lost to him in the finals we've got some heavy heavy hitters in this thing like Vinny Zurbin, who ran through the state tournament uh teague travis who's a, a high school all-american from father tolton catholic josh saunders i think we all know about him we got guys like uh one of the great Penner, who's a Fargo national runner-up, who's placed one at state. Really cool match at 195. Rocky Elam, Zach Elam's little little younger brother uh, is moving up to Russell Steve Elwell, who's ranked in the top 15 in the country and is going to Little Rock. We've got three kids matches that we're putting together right now. And then there's three and a half pro matches. We've got Joey LaValle against LeVon Mays. Alan Waters just texted me. He's wrestling Joe Cologne. And then this three style match that we, you and me have talked about, Aaron Brooks. That. So that's one period. I don't, we haven't, we're going to be freestyle Greco or Greco freestyle and then folk style. And it's like sets in tennis. You know, it does it's not cumulative score. Each, each period is completely separate. you got to win two out of the three periods. So even if you get pinned, it's just that period. And then Don Bradley's poking his head in, and uh, I think he's trying to get himself a match on the card. Jaden Cox is going to be there. He's doing a kid's clinic ahead of time. Uh, Randy Couture is going to be there. Tyron Woodley is going to be there. we got kind of all the who's who people from the state of Missouri. I know the University of Illinois coaches are coming down. I think uh, Lindenwood University is coming down. I think a bunch of guys are coming down that are close to uh, check it out. It's at Kansas City Union Station this Sunday, 3 p.m. All the proceeds go to benefit the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. My man, Alex, is a veteran. This goes. The money goes to veterans that have wounds and amputations. We give these folks ten thousand dollars at a time. I, I I don't I don't like the word give. Uh, they they've earned this money for what they've done, but we don't give out a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we feel like ten thousand dollars is enough to really change a person's life. Whether it's uh, an artificial limb, whether it's a ramp, whatever the case may be that these folks need, that's what we do. And so the tickets are at nitrotickets.com. You can get the tickets to the wrestling event on Sunday. You can get the tickets to the J.D. Cox Clinic on Sunday. And there's also a shooting range event with Randy on Saturday at Show Me Shooters in Clay Como, which is in North Kansas City. So we've got literally over $10,000 for the stuff in the silent auction. Unbelievable donations from really too many people to count, but just awesome people. And we're just really excited about it. Uh, this is probably the biggest one we've done yet. I certainly uh, have the lack of sleep to prove that. But it's a labor of love. And
0: when we're able to give checks to the people that deserve it, 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 it it's very, very rewarding. That's awesome stuff. I mean, if if the wrestling wasn't enough, which obviously it's fantastic wrestling, the, the cause and all the work that goes into it uh, just puts it over the top. Um, obviously cause close to my heart. Um, uh, just torn up that I can't get up there this year. I'm going to have to put it on the card for next year. Kinda caught me on a bad year for vacation time, but I'm going to be watching, going to be following along. I can't wait to see how that Kamal Bay, Aaron Brooks match goes and the pro matches. It's just really, really a cool event. Um, you know, you do a great job every year and it's, it's a testament to the work you guys are doing that it keeps getting bigger every year. So. Very cool. Uh, Follow that. Get your tickets if you're anywhere around there. It's going to be a great event. Um, And we will be coming back next week to break it all down. We'll have brackets, which, (laughs) I, you know, you say it all the time. We're wrestling nerds. The brackets coming out, (laughs) other than the three days in March, that is my favorite day of the year. So uh, I will have them all broke down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, by Tuesday, I'll have them all broke down. I will probably have picked about 1,200 fantasy teams by then and I love pulled it. my hair out of that. Can't wait for that. Uh, do you have anything else for the people before we get out of here and leave them waiting for that?
1: Just one last thing. If they can't go to Kansas City, like you said, you're going to watch. It's on, it'll be live streamed on trackwrestling.com. So, and again, Track Wrestling is donating their portion of it to help us raise money. So it's an unbelievable... Thing that they're doing, we truly appreciate Justin uh, and all the folks at Track for supporting our cause. And uh, yeah, just trackwrestling.com and it'll be posted in the next day or two. So um, it's just going to be. I'm I'm a like I said, I'm a wrestling nerd. But when we, you know, I want to thank uh, Wayne and Johnny too from A W L for working really hard with the pro guys, and uh, they've been cool to work with. I've had some pro matches in the past, but having the A W L name behind us makes, makes a big difference. And you and me will have to, uh, and we have our picks, we have our over-unders, we'll have to put at least one, uh, we'll probably have to do a couple fantasy lineups and see how we do head-to-head. We'll have to keep them private so nobody else can uh, steal our picks, but we'll have to see head-to-head, you know, we'll go chicken wings or something like that when we get to Pittsburgh.
0: Well, after last week with all breaking down all our season-long picks, I'm going to need some to get even. So I'll have to go double or nothing on the chicken wings. but until then, uh, check all that wrestling out this weekend. Watch On Track Wrestling and come back next week as we break everything down. Thanks for listening once again. I'm Alex Steen. For David Miracatani, we're signing off.